0: of the outside service. Somebody, I said, who wants some of this? And somebody came running. And I said, I thought it was chocolate. But I'm just eating some beef jerky. And so, you just give me a second. This is a very chewy piece. We are, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking at some of the essential teachings of Jesus what uh, Christians have sometimes called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you can find it in your Bibles under Matthew chapter 5 to 7. Uh, we're calling this series the Love Period series. It's one of the easiest ways to explain to people what we're really about because it's one of the ways that we can explain what Jesus is really about. So that's why it's on the t-shirts. But it's a, it's a good reminder as we read this series of teachings in particular Because everything that Jesus says has to be run through this lens of love. It's easy, actually, if you're religiously wired, to look at the teachings of Jesus and turn his teachings into another religion. But that's not Jesus, into another list of things you must do in order to be morally good and therefore accepted by God. That's religion. Jesus does something very different, and he does this like at the very beginning of his teaching. He begins by blessing people who don't deserve the blessing of God. He starts by saying, blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. This is not a new religion, and so if you find yourself uh, reading the Bible, hearing the words of Jesus, and you find yourself more judgmental or more stingy, you know, less generous if you find yourself drawing more lines and making more divisions about this is us and that's you and uh, engaging in heated, angry debates, like you might not be following Jesus. If you remember the metaphor we used last week, you know, the, the Jesus compass can point us in the direction that he wants to take us. But if you don't know how to read a compass, if you, if you take out the love lens, you'll, you'll find yourself confusing which way is north and which way is south. Like, you know, the compass has the red needle and the white needle. And so as we read Jesus, we have to remember that this is Jesus talking. And uh, in fact, he's talking to a crowd of people uh, surrounding him. Closest of all are his disciples, 12 guys and a couple of women. And, and these are not like cream of the crop, the smartest guys he could find. These are pretty ordinary they're fishermen, they're tax collectors. In fact, they don't always get along very well. They're they're pretty dense. In fact, from time to time, Jesus will get a little bit frustrated and say, like, you guys are just really dull. Like, how can you be so dull? Uh, And and they kind of do things that don't line up with Jesus' life and and they're always screwing up. But then, like, you look at the crowd that is gathered. If you back up just a couple of verses to Matthew chapter 4... It says that uh, news spreads about Jesus all over Syria, and people bring to him all who were ill with various diseases, suffering, uh, severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And then large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan follow him. So... You read just even about the regions, you know that like Judea and Jerusalem are pretty religious, like they're very Jewish, but the Decapolis cities, these are cities that the Greeks and Romans built uh, to kind of spread Greek culture, and so these are not people who are necessarily honoring God with their lives, at least according to the Jewish uh, kind of filter of what it looks like to live a God-honoring life. So you have this mishmash of people, like the religiously elite and and the religiously bankrupt and and people who are like recently sick and demon possessed and so these people are probably living pretty messed up lives like not a lot of demon possessed people can hold a you know a nine to five job so like they're they're probably beggars and some of them smell bad and some of them probably are just kind of recovering from like sores Jesus heals people from leprosy, and so they're not totally even used to human interaction at this point, and they're all listening to Jesus because there's something about Jesus and his teaching that attracts them to him, and he says this to them. He says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Did you catch that? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." In other words, Jesus says, hey, I have a plan to change the world, and it's you. Like, you guys are going to be the salt of the earth. I'm not going to roam. I'm not going to use political power. I'm not going to build an army and exert my kingdom through might. I'm not going to find the smartest people, the richest people, the best-looking people. I'm picking you. You're the plan. I'm not going to build a big building. I'm not going to start my own news channel. It's the people that have gathered here as messed up as you are, and you're going to be the salt of the earth. Now, what's Jesus talking about here? You guys know what salt is used for? Well, you probably know this. This didn't come out of the refrigerator. And usually, if you don't refrigerate meat, what happens in like a day? It gets rancid. It goes bad. So you put salt on meat in order to preserve it. Uh, And you have to remember the... The, the world that Jesus is living in is about 2,000 years before refrigerators are invented. And if you've been to Israel, you know like, it's not exactly cold to cool. You're not gonna get that like, sweet 38 degrees to keep your meat good and, and preserved. And not everybody lives along the Sea of Galilee. So were you able to put that map up, Beth? You got it? Okay, so this is, this is the world Jesus is living in. He's teaching most likely up Uh, by the Sea of Galilee. That's that little lake up there. This is where the fish are caught. The the Sea of Galilee is fresh water. And then down from it flows, do you guys know what this river's called? The Jordan River. It's not super long. It's like 130 miles or something like that. Uh, And most rivers flow into the, what? Ocean. But this river flows into the Dead Sea. And they call it dead because it's full of Salt, and it's salty because it doesn't have an outlet. And so water flows down into this river. It has nowhere to go. The minerals basically stop. The water evaporates, and what's left behind is salt and a bunch of other minerals. And if you look at the map, it's interesting. They've, this is really a side point. Uh, the, sea, the Dead Sea is drying up. So you can actually walk across the Dead Sea on dry land because most of the water from the Jordan is being used for drinking water. So the Dead Sea is shrinking really fast. So uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, tours with Amos to Israel, I guess, someday. <laughs> that would be fun. Let's do it. Um, the, the, they would take the salt from the Dead Sea and put it on carts or donkeys or horses or whatever, and they'd bring it up to the Sea of Galilee, and then they'd use the salt to preserve fish. And Jesus is saying to his people, just like salt can keep fish from going bad, I'm putting you in the world to keep culture from totally disintegrating. Because without you, you know what happens to humans? They get selfish, and they get greedy, and they go to war. And they, they don't care about the weak, and the needy, and the helpless, because that doesn't serve their purposes. Or maybe they use them as long as they serve their purposes. But I'm calling you to a different kind of life, to keep the world as I intended it, the way that I intended it. And even to bring, I mean, we will we'll read, like later, and we won't talk about a lot about the light metaphor, but we're going to bring light to places where uh, darkness has fallen. Like it's you, you're going to help keep the earth good. And so that means sometimes saying no to things, and that means sometimes swimming against uh, the cultural norms and against your instincts toward greed and selfishness and self-preservation. And I just think that's a, a word for us in COVID, where if we were a self-protective like, culture before COVID, so many of us have retreated even farther uh, into kind of thinking only about ourselves. And, and Jesus is calling us out of that when we talk about being the salt of the earth. And so like, I mean, salt doesn't actually do any good when it's kept in the shaker, it only does good when it's when it's poured out. I mean, um, I mean, does anyone want to try this? Anybody ever tried salt on their own, right, on its own? It's like, hmm, hmm. It's sweet. Ugh. Just try it sometime. Anyway, like so. Sometimes we, as as followers of Jesus, like we think, oh, the safe thing to do is just to stay. Ugh. It, is to stay uh, around other followers of Jesus. And so we retreat into social circles, and it's just followers of Jesus. And that's, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, uh, it's safer here, but it's not doing anybody any good, and sometimes it can get a little nasty. Uh, the idea, Salt is meant to be put into things. And in fact, the second reason I think that Jesus calls us the salt of the earth is not just to preserve Uh, but to draw out flavor. So uh, Jesus goes on to say, we'll get to this, um, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, this word good deeds, this idea of goodness, there's actually two words in the Greek, the original language that this was written in that can mean good. And if you're just seeing good, you might be thinking of it in the one sense. But Jesus uses uh, one word very particularly here. So one word, agathos, would be like the kind of correct, right, uh, you know, very useful, up to standard goodness that like religions would use. But there's another word for good. That's kalos. That's beauty. Now, can you guess which word Jesus uses? It's the word for beauty. Uh, you, would, you would think that if, if you were a religious person, you would probably think, you know, as we even continue to read the teachings of Jesus, like, oh yeah, you need to be really good. You need to be morally upright. You need to follow the rules. You got to go to church. And that way the world will be preserved. But no, Jesus is saying like, you're as salt, you're actually going to draw out the beauty of, Chris just brought me some water. Maybe we'll talk about We'll use this later, too. Hmm. This is good. Um, OK, so right, the other use of salt is what? It preserves food, but it also makes it delicious. Salt in itself is not delicious, right? But you put salt on meat. And this, I mean, beef jerky is really salty. But typically, if your meat doesn't have enough flavor, you add salt, and then it draws the flavor of the meat out so you can really enjoy the good you know, taste of the meat. I'm not a steak sauce guy. I, I just put salt on my meat, like on my steak, because I like the flavor of, of the meat. Uh, same, you know, same thing with eggs, same thing with vegetables. If you have a plate in front of you that doesn't taste really like much of anything, you add some salt, and it'll draw the flavor out. So Jesus says, I've sent you into the world. You are all the salt of the earth. And that means, on the one hand, you will preserve its goodness. But on the other hand, you will draw out its beauty. And I think about uh, what God says to Abraham. You guys know who Abraham is, right? This is uh, Father Abraham, the guy from whom Judaism comes and Christianity as we would say the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham. But Islam too, like if you know anybody in the Bible other than Jesus, it's probably Abraham. And God calls Abraham to follow him into the promised land and says, I'm going to bless you. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I'm going to bless you to what? Bless all the nations of the earth. Not to hoard up blessing for yourself, not to circle up the wagons, and protect the good thing you've got to keep it safe, to hoard it. The blessing doesn't do any good if it's bottled up. Blessing does good as God intended it when it is in your place of work, when it is in your family, not just to preserve the good, but also to draw out the beauty. So I want you to think for a minute, like if you're a mom or a dad, what does it look like to be the salt of the earth with your kids? How can you cultivate the beauty that they have inside of them? How can you draw out the person that God designed them to be? Or if you're in school, you have a circle of friends, how how can your life bring out beauty and people? Or places, like a lot of you guys are in the business world, how can you live in such a way, whether you're in charge or 10 steps down the ladder from management, how can you be salt of the earth? I don't mean salt in the wound, <laughs> right? I'm not, I'm not talking about being the moral police, like you really shouldn't say that bad word, but... How do, you, how do you draw the best out of people? This is the life of Jesus. And this is what he does with his like, mishmash of disciples. right? These are guys who, without Jesus, they wouldn't have much to live for. They'd continue with their fishermen. We wouldn't know their names. But, but we, we know them. Like We know about Jesus because of the people who heard the message of Jesus and went out and spread the good news of the kingdom of Jesus. And so I just, I want you to take 30 seconds here. This is going to be sort of like a listening prayer exercise to reflect on how you might be salt of the earth, how you might draw the beauty out of the circles of influence that you live in and the life you have. So uh, just, I mean it, 30 seconds. So Holy Spirit, come. We invite you to speak to us and specifically highlight ways that we can be salt of the earth as you intended it in our in our lives for other people come holy spirit Amen. So there's, I don't think there's actually like a roadmap of how that works, right? So if you're a parent, you know there's not a roadmap for your kid. I've already learned this. Uh, like you can't treat every, every situation the same way and, and expect the same result. You know, people told us uh, with our daughter, who's now one and a half, that you know if you want a quiet child, you just need to be quiet parents. So like use like really quiet voices. And then your kids will be quiet too. That, that, let me tell you, that doesn't work. Like there's no, Jesus, Jesus doesn't give us the, the road map, the owner's manual for the kids we have, or for the job you have, or for the life you're living. Right? We've talked about this. He gives us a compass, and we can take out the compass, and we can say, is my life headed toward Jesus or away from Jesus based on his life and teachings? And so just to kind of go back to last week and think about what does it really mean to be a like a person who follows Jesus in the world. And Jesus starts his like most essential catalog of teaching by blessing people. And sometimes it's like so surprising. So like we receive the blessing of God and then we give blessing. That's the idea. And I just think, we didn't read this last week. I just want to read this last little part of the Beatitudes uh, as they're called, just Latin for blessings here in chapter five, verse 10. kind of unpacks this for us and elaborates this point. And we read this. It wasn't long ago, maybe a month ago. Do you remember? He says, do not repay evil for evil, but repay insult with blessing. And uh, I, I sent out a text to some of you who are like on the Vineyard Resource Share uh, text thread and just asked for stories of this. I'm not gonna share any specifics today, but I got one from somebody who basically described this reality in her life. Someone who came at them with insult, with curses, you might even say, and who resolved in their heart to repay that insult with blessing, to treat them kindly, to be patient, to, uh, to pray for this person. And I just, I just said, that is so beautiful. Like that is the Jesus life, to bless people who do not deserve it. In fact, to bless people who have lined up against you as perhaps an enemy. But if if we're reading Matthew 5, Jesus also issues a warning. Do you remember this? Uh, He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So we need to think about a second, how can we lose our saltiness? What happens? Now, you, uh, you, if you know a little bit of chemistry, you know that like table salt, as we know it, NACL, sodium chloride, my chemistry isn't perfect, okay? It's been a long time, uh, and I don't know any chemists, but... The, the thing about salt is it's actually pretty stable chemically. So, like, if you add water to salt, the salt doesn't go away. It absorbs into the water. And in theory, if you had a closed system, you could evaporate off the water and the salt would be there still, right? Um, like, if you taste water, it's salty. It doesn't, like, become unsalty by adding water. It just it makes the water salty. But Jesus isn't dealing with, like, uh, good, pure table salt. He's dealing with that stuff they they shipped up from the Dead Sea, remember? And so this is salt, but it's also got some other mineral-type deposits. And so what would happen sometimes is they're transporting this salt. Like, maybe they didn't think to put the tarp on because, like, it doesn't rain that much in uh, the Judean wilderness, trust me. Uh, And so, like, oh, man, there's been a downpour, and and it rains on the cart of salt. And uh, it looks like there's still salt there because there's still, like, this white powdery stuff but they taste it and it's got no salt. And so they, they throw it out. Like, what, this isn't good for anything. I'm not putting this on fish. It's not gonna make it taste better. It's not gonna keep it good. And so they throw it out. So what, do I, what is Jesus teaching us here? I think what he might be teaching us is we need to be careful about being watered down. What do I mean by that? We need to be careful when like, our life just starts looking like the cultural waters we are swimming in. We have to be careful when there when there's no distinction between, like my life as a follower of Jesus and uh, the person I works with life who doesn't follow Jesus. And so, if your life starts to look like someone who is only living for themselves, if your life starts to look like uh, someone who repays insult with insult, like that's not being salty. That's a sign that you're starting to lose saltiness. If you just like is so common, right, start drawing lines and start saying the, like the, the words us and them and those guys and, 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 and they think differently than me and, and we're, like, we're going to war in a sense over the, the heart of our country. Just for instance, I don't know if this relates to anything that you're going or facing in life, but like if, if it becomes us and them instead of just us, like, And we've got to find a way for us to work this out. Not, oh, those guys, they're trying to destroy my life or, or my country or whatever. Like, It's time to get out the Jesus compass and say, what does it look like to be the salt of the earth and how can I make sure I don't lose my saltiness? How can I make sure that I'm preserving what is good and drawing out what is beautiful? And so I... I do, though, I just want to end by blessing you. And the worship band is going to come up and play some songs. But I want to remind you that we can only do this if we experience ourselves the blessing of God from Jesus. And so I'm just going to bless you with Jesus' words. Blessed are you who are spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are you who have screwed up so bad that you live with this resounding guilt. Blessed are you whose spark for life has gone out, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. God is with you. Blessed are you who mourn, who have lost loved ones, who are grieving the the death of a dream, for you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the trampled on. Blessed are you who can't seem to get out of bed in the morning or get to work on time or save that $1,000 to keep in your bank account for a rainy day. Blessed are you for you will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and for justice, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are those who are merciful, for you will be shown mercy. You will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are you who do not draw lines and say us and them for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are you who are persecuted because of righteousness, for yours is the kingdom of God. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.